Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. This is the post-game podcast. Today on the show, the Timberwolves fell to the Mavs on Monday night in what was really kind of a coaching chess match. I want to break down uh, the most interesting thing about the Wolves game plan coming in, the Mavericks game plan coming in, and then how both Jason Kidd and Chris Finch adjusted in-game, what the Mavs did to really slow down Carl Anthony Towns to a reasonable extent, and then also the insane the craziness that happened at the end of the game. I want to break it all down here on the show today. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Peek and I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fanside Network. Happy Tuesday, everybody. This is... The post-game podcast. We're going to talk about Wolves-Mavs on Monday. I have some key takeaways for you. I want to focus a lot on the defensive strategy, really for both teams, and the adjustments, the chess match between Jason Jason Kidd and Chris Finch. So that'll be the focus of the first part of the show here today. Uh, we'll do the whole post-game pod thing, some additional takeaways, as well as individual studs and duds, as we always do. First, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere you, you can listen to podcasts. That includes YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms from Apple to Google, Spotify to Odyssey. You can also follow the show on Twitter, at Lockdown T Wolves, and that's uh, at Lockdown T Wolves. Don't forget the T, as well as at B Beacon, with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, um, setting the stage for Monday, so this... the. The stakes in Monday's game were obviously very high. The Timberwolves playing really well of late, winning, what, 9 of 10, something like that. The Mavs having lost a couple at the tail end of a long road trip. Minnesota coming in tied with the Nuggets for the sixth spot in the West and only a game and a half behind Dallas for the five spot. And uh, Dallas relatively healthy, obviously, no Tim Hardaway Jr. for an extended period of time. The Timberwolves, no Jaden McDaniels for at least the next uh, probably week and a half to two weeks minimum. Um, but... Two teams that essentially had their best players available, the majority of the rotation available. Uh, the Wolves haven't played very many good teams lately that are at full strength. They beat the Bucks on Saturday with no Giannis. No shame in that, but no Giannis. They've, of course, beaten the Heat with no Jimmy Butler. They uh, beat the Thunder a couple of times. They beat Portland a couple of times. They beat some other mediocre teams that were still a little bit shorthanded over the past few weeks. Had some good fortune on that front. No shame in that, but this was a true road test against a good team that had their best. You know, They had Luka Doncic. They obviously had uh, you know Spencer Dinwiddie available. Uh, apparently, Dwight Powell is, is one of the best bigs in the league at this point uh, against the Wolves, at least. Uh, but the Mavs were largely full strength. This was a true test. And we saw early in this game that the Timberwolves had, I don't, I don't think they were shell shocked because it wasn't, it's not like the Mavs came out all gangbusters or anything. I mean, the Wolves had like a quick two possession lead and the Mavs came right back. It was, it was a well-fought first quarter, but clearly the Wolves were not, it wasn't as easy as things had been. Um, and I, I think I said something to this effect on Twitter that, hey, the Wolves aren't playing bad. This is just the difference between playing a good team and playing a, a not good team. The Wolves were down eight at halftime, and I didn't feel like they were playing all that bad. Um, I, I want to focus on my biggest takeaway of this game, and I want to talk a little bit next segment, just a little bit at the end of the game, because I want to kind of, there's a couple of things that happen that I just want to, I want to talk through a little bit next segment. But my biggest takeaway is the strategy that both teams came into this game with. In terms of, I'll start with the Timberwolves' defensive game plan. Um, the Timberwolves, 
decided to play drop coverage to start the game, which I kind of expected them to do to try and contain Luka Doncic to keep him from penetrating, from distributing, from getting into the into the lane and getting to the free throw line and try and force him to shoot some of those long three pointers that he can make. He obviously has pretty much limitless range, but not to, you know, the Wolves could live with that. Uh, given his three point shooting percentage, they were OK with trying to make Luka shoot from deep. Um, so the Wolves started the game and drop coverage. It, it had pretty mixed results early. Uh, you know, the, I think it was the Mavs' first possession. They got a lob dunk to Dwight Powell. It was way too easy. They tried the exact same thing in the next possession, and Vanderbilt recovered. He tipped the pass away. The Wolves got a fast break going the other way. The Wolves dropped coverage. They they were effective enough early. Then they started to mix in some switching, and instead of Towns dropping, he was switching. And you could tell that the Wolves were planning to kind of like intersperse these different coverages throughout the game. But as the Mavs, you know, ran just pick and roll after pick and roll after pick and roll, eventually Towns clearly got a little bit fatigued. Um, the Mavs became comfortable with what, the, you know, they knew exactly what the Wolves were doing and they were able to get what they wanted offensively. And for the game, Dallas did not shoot the ball overwhelmingly well, at least not from the perimeter. They were what, 30.4% from outside the arc in this game. The Wolves were much better, by the way. But uh, despite Luka's high turnovers, he had six turnovers at halftime and eight for the game. Um, the Mavs were still able to do some damage. You know, like Reggie Bullock made six threes in this game. Um, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith had 15 points, three made threes, four assists in this game. Spencer Dinwiddie had 20 off the bench. He thrived against uh, drop coverage, especially early in this game, getting into the mid-range and into the paint and doing damage where he likes to do damage. Um and the Wolves eventually, I mean, they gave up, what, 60 in the first half. Around halftime, they kind of switched to playing more of the high wall, uh, more of the, um, you know, the, the at the level defense that they did a lot more of early this season. And remember, that's the more aggressive at sometimes, sometimes almost a blitz scheme that tries to force the ball to the ball handler's hands. It allows them to be aggressive with Townsend, his length at the top of the arc, essentially at the top of the key. Um, and on the perimeter and trying to force the hand of the offense. And eventually that became an issue in terms of foul trouble, in terms of um, opposing teams figuring out that they could always find an open cutter or an open uh, man in the corner on the backside of that defense. The rotation is not perfect and you don't get a steal and you can make the right pass. You can beat that coverage and teams figure that out. That's when we saw the, the, the defense start to slip for the Wolves December, January into February. Even while the offense was improving, the defense was struggling to some extent, um, at least compared to where it was in, in October, November, early this season. And now we're kind of in this, you know, the adjust, we talked about this quite a bit a couple of weeks ago. I did almost a whole show on this, that the Wolves are now in this kind of like adjustment to the adjustment period where they're having to, to fold in some zone. By the way, the barely played any zone in this game, which surprised me a little bit. I thought they'd try and force the Mavs to shoot more from the perimeter. Um, the Mavs, as it was, ended up shooting, what, 40, 46 threes and only shot 30%. So maybe perhaps on Friday, we see some more zone kind of folded into uh, into the defensive game plan for Chris Finch. I digress. But uh, the, the Wolves are now kind of like started to mix in all these different pick and roll coverages instead of exclusively playing high wall coverage. And uh, I, I mean, the Mavs 
pretty adeptly handled this. I mean, obviously, Luka Doncic is a fantastic player, and and even though this wasn't his best game, um, anytime the Wolves got a little bit soft at the point of attack, which occasionally was D'Angelo Russell, as improved as he is this year, and I, I think he's truly kind of an average defensive point guard, which if you've watched any D'Lo prior to this year, that's a huge compliment for him. That's I talked about this a lot. Going from bad to average is basically the same as going from average to really good at something, right? That difference matters. Making up that chasm matters. And it's one of the reasons the Wolves have been so much better in general defensively this year is the improvement of D'Lo, obviously the arrival of Patrick Beverly. Um, but at various times in this game, whether it was Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, at times Jordan McLaughlin, Jalen Noel got stuck in, in at guarding the ball and just were, if the Wolves were in drop coverage, we're not able to put enough pressure on the ball to really make the Mavs' lives difficult. And then it put Towns in a difficult position dropping uh, in those coverages. So the Wolves tried to kind of adjust on the fly and ultimately playing more of the high wall in the second half worked really well. And next segment, I want to talk about down the stretch specifically in some of the situations the Wolves got themselves into that, that wasn't quite ideal um, in terms of guarding the ball down the stretch of this game. In terms of the... Mavericks plan, they basically just said, we're going to let anybody, we're going to force somebody besides Carl Anthony Towns to beat us. And it worked early. Adilo was really good early in this game. Anthony Edwards was pretty quiet. The thought was, let's double cat if he catches the ball with his back to the basket. We've seen teams do this all season. But then also, if he gets the ball in the perimeter, let's load up on that side of the floor as much as possible. And, and I'd have to go back and rewatch, but I'm surprised that the Mavs at no point, I don't think they ever got called for a defensive three seconds in this game. But they were basically playing Towns with a defender and kind of like a pseudo double team in a face-up situation. And then almost like bring, you know, shade another defender to that side of the floor where they were, there were a couple of possessions where Towns got the ball, tried to drive and got to about the elbow. And there were, there was literally, there was one, I think the Wolves got a corner three out of it. A really good pass from Towns. I think he got a hockey assist on the play, you know, pass to a pass to an assist. Um, All five Mavs players were touching the paint when Towns released the pass. And the Timberwolves had nobody besides Towns touching the touching the paint. The other four players were all spaced outside the arc. And the Wolves scored on that possession. Early in the game, the Wolves were taking what Dallas gave them. Towns was doing an outstanding job deferring. I think he got a little frustrated with lack of foul calls and lack of um, shot attempts, really. Um, and, and there were a couple possessions, really kind of third quarter, early second half, where he forced things a little bit. But by and large, the Wolves took what the Mavs gave them. But it's one of the best defensive game plans we've seen against the Timberwolves this season. I mean, outside of when the teams teams first started putting fours on Towns and putting fives on Vanderbilt, um, the Wolves have now solved that to some extent by putting Towns on the perimeter more often. But to basically load up your entire defense against Towns. Now, if Anthony Edwards... I wonder if two months ago, if Edwards wasn't bothered by all the things that are bothering him now, and, and I know he's not the only guy in the NBA that's banged up, if he makes that defense pay even more, he had a couple of nice stretches in this game where he was getting to the basket, getting fouled, a couple of big buckets late, uh, but not consistently enough to really make the Mavs pay. They did an outstanding job trying to make the rest of the Timberwolves beat them. And for stretches of the game, the Wolves were able to get around it because of Towns' ability and willingness to pass, the ability of the Wolves mostly to hit open three-point shots, um, Edwards having these stretches, D'Lo having a stretch early in the game, and, and that's why the Wolves were close. None of the Wolves' big three had outstanding games, but they all played well enough in stretches and, and add in a little Torian Prince and you know uh, some, some blips for some other guys too. 
Um, and the Wolves were able to hang around in this game despite easily, they, I mean, they were down 10 for quite a while, you know, hovering around 10. The deficit was, they could have easily lost this game by more than that, but they showed the grit, the stick-to-itiveness down the stretch um, and really throughout, kind of adjusting to what the Mavs were doing defensively to some extent that uh, they were able to hang around in this game. Um, but the adjustments, the adjustments broadly for the Wolves, that's the point of the season that we're at. And of course, we're only a couple of weeks away from the playoffs and who knows what teams are going to, you know, uh, pull out from their hat, you know, when, once we get to the playoffs in terms of towns coverages or ways to defend Anthony Edwards or whatever the case might be, um, and what those counters to the adjustments might be, but to see then in game Finch adjust the defense. And then we saw Jason Kidd make some adjustments on the flip side. Um, it was really fascinating. Um, and, and a ton of fun to watch. This was two good teams, generally well coached. They each had a specific game plan and they mostly executed you know, neither Towns or Luca had their best game. Um, and the officials played far. I want to talk a little bit about that. Not much. The officials were far too prominent in this game in a lot of ways. Uh, but just a fun game. I mean, a game that ended in a possession came down to the wire and uh, hard to fault. Um, you know, it, it's hard to get too obviously upset in regards to the standings, the Wolves losing this game. But it's just a fun basketball game. And uh, two good teams playing fun basketball. Uh, making adjustments on the fly, a lot to like about it. Okay, I have some other takeaways uh, that I want to get to here from the game, and then I want to do individual studs and duds. I want to talk a little bit about the end of this one too, because it was a ton of a ton of fun, uh, really kind of a roller coaster. So we're going to do that here next. First, so let's talk about our friends over at Bet Online. It's that time of the year again. College basketball tournament is not only upon us, but it's sadly already halfway over, heading into the final sixteen teams upcoming this week. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's also talk about our friends over at Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product that I literally have been using every single day now for almost two weeks. I started taking Athletic Greens uh, a couple of weeks ago because, I mean, put simply, I just wanted to feel healthier. I wanted to have more energy. Uh, this time of year, immune system is really important with, with how busy I and not only myself, everybody is. It's so important to, to stay up on your immune system, have better gut health in general. Um, and, and Athletic Greens is, is the way to go. If you're wondering what it is, I'll tell you. It's with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, your aging, really all the things. Uh, it's it's fantastic um, for all the reasons I already listed. The digestion thing, the energy is probably the biggest thing for me. It's also lifestyle friendly. If you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free, gluten free, whatever you might be, uh, Athletic Greens fits fits your lifestyle. Um, it has less than a gram of sugar. There's no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything. Will still tasting good. It supports better sleep quality. Re- and recovery supports mental clarity and alertness. It's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testings. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially headed into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. 
No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thanks again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. It really is the best way to get caught up, stay caught up on NBA action uh, instead of perusing box scores, scrolling Twitter, uh, watching highlight shows. Check out the Lockdown Now podcast, each site expert um, or excuse me, each lockdown local expert will spend 60 to 90 seconds post-game kind of recapping what happened, but hitting the high points, the stuff that only somebody that watched the game with a keen uh, local eye would know. Um, and it's the best way to to stay abreast of everything that's happening across the league. Okay. Um, other key takeaways beyond the the coaching clinic and the interesting adjustments both teams made. Um the Timberwolves overcame, for the most part, because again, this is a close game late, they overcame slow starts in this game for key players. I mean, D'Angelo Russell had a hot start. Towns didn't do much. I think he had eight points at halftime. He didn't do much early. Um, wasn't getting to the free throw line early in this game at all. Didn't much for the game either. Um, and Anthony Edwards was pretty quiet early too. He didn't have a made field goal. I don't think he did until his second stint on the floor after he left for a rest and came back. Um, Torian Prince at one point was the Wolves' lead leading scorer. Who's basically the featured cog in the offense for a while, which is never ideal. Um, and and I mean, high volume Torian Prince is not my favorite version of Torian Prince, but uh, all things considered, he had a pretty good showing: seventeen points, six of sixteen shooting, three made threes on eight attempts, four rebounds and a block for Torian in twenty three minutes. Uh, played well, did what he was asked to do. The Wolves are actually running offense through him at one point, um, which is again interesting, not ideal. Uh, but given the situation with, uh, you know, um, I mean, just the way that the Mavs were playing defensively, again, I, I, I talked about the strategy against Carlton Towns, but in general, the Mavericks were so impressive defensively. Their activity level was impressive. Um, their commitment to their scheme, they didn't have hardly any blown assignments in this game where you could point to the Timberwolves having, you know, a dozen or more blown assignments where a guy got a wide open three or a wide open dunk. That happened far too often. That did not happen to the Mavs in this game. Um and uh, I mean, that's that's given all given that and given I want to talk about missed layups here in a second, all the Wolves missed layups, all the blown coverages, the fact that they were tied in the final minute or final two minutes and had a chance to tie the game in the final 30 seconds uh, and really the final three seconds. I mean, it's it's kind of impressive. And, and actually, that's I know that silver linings aren't fun anymore, that that's not a thing we do, you know, as, as Timberwolves followers at this point in our Timberwolves life cycle. It was cool like two years ago or whatever. I mean, there kids still can be a silver lining within a disappointing loss. And well, again, in the standings, this is a, a pretty devastating loss that could have been a win. Given all the things that went wrong, the fact that the Wolves had a chance to win and the Mavs had such a genius defensive game plan, uh, I don't know, two-point loss doesn't seem all that bad, does it? Um, a key thing the Mavericks did well 
Also, physicality. They were very physical with Carl Anthony Towns, whether it was Dwight Powell at times, whether it was Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, just having multiple guys that just kind of got into Towns and made his life difficult. Uh, the officials after, you know, Towns has gone through these phases where he doesn't get calls at all. I mean, there was a game, what, two, three weeks ago. It was right before he, you know, in the midst of Towns playing well, but before he went bonkers over the past couple of weeks. He had some game where he shot the ball like 18 times and had zero free throw attempts. And, and I practically had an aneurysm on the show. I just made no sense. Um, and then of course the other night he shot like 15 free throws or I think it was 14 to 15 or 15 to 16, uh, certainly in the 60 point game, but even the next, you know, the game after that last week, last Wednesday, whatever that was, he did the same thing, not 60 points, but he shot double digit free throws and made basically all of them. And then a game like this, where he gets 17 field goal attempts against the team playing an extremely aggressive style of defense and only four free throw attempts. Um, I mean, you got to credit the Mavs for their physical presence, for the, for the for their game plan, for how the 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 book on Cat is. You have to be physical with him. Now, Cat has been physical back so much lately that it's been working in his favor. He's been getting these calls that did not happen in this game. And I'm not at all suggesting that the refs, you know, screwed the Wolves over or anything like that. That's not the case. In fact, you could argue that the Mavs actually had the tougher end of a lot of things in this game. Um, from an officiating standpoint, I don't actually think that the officiating was like. I don't think the Wolves lost because of the officiating. I know that post-game, a lot of the Wolves players and coaches were upset about officiating. To me, it just wasn't well officiated on either end of the floor. And while there were some frustrating things, they went both ways. The The most frustrating thing officiating-wise to me, besides the the touch foul, the take foul that Luka got on Pat Bev in the final three seconds, um, I'll talk more about that in a second, uh, is the fact that Towns only attempted four free throws. Um, I mean, if that's Joel Embiid, how many free throws does he get? Ten? At least, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like, uh, well, I'll just leave that there. Uh, but the physicality of the Mavs, you have to give them credit for that to be sure. Miss layups. I mentioned this already. Uh, I counted at least five, two from Anthony Edwards, one from Jalen Noel. That was crucial. I believe it would have tied the game or pulled the Wolves within one in the fourth quarter. Um, D'Lo had one, Torian Prince had one. That's five right there. Uh, but the two Ant ones, the 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 Torian Prince one and and the uh, the Jalen Noel one were all just brutal. Um, I, I, it happens, right? I mean, like I remember with Andrew Wiggins, it was why doesn't he just dunk it? Sometimes with like Nas, it's it's why doesn't he? You know, sometimes they try and dunk it when they shouldn't try. You know, just make the easy play. And sometimes you just got bad luck. That's Jalen Noel's just kind of rimmed out. That happens sometimes, um, and it just. The, the sheer number of mislayups was just mind-boggling in this one. The last thing I want to talk about is the end of this game. I don't want to go blow-by-blow. Blow. You, you no doubt watched it. If you didn't, you can you can go watch it. I don't need to go play-by-play play for you. But at the end of the game, the Mavericks do the right thing. The Timberwolves have a chance to tie the game down three with roughly 10 seconds left. And Towns gets trapped kind of out near half court. He, he throws a pass to Patrick Beverly, who feels contact. He's getting grabbed. I forget who the defender was. I think it was Finney Smith. Grabbing him by the waist. Maybe it was Jalen Brunson. And he turns, so he immediately catches it. One fell swoop goes to turn and shoot a turnaround to try and get the three foul, the three free throws. I think the correct call was made that the foul was on the floor, although it was even really away from the ball. Like uh, he started to get fouled before he had even caught the basketball, felt the contact, tried to turn and shoot. So clearly the Mavs are trying to get the take foul there because otherwise, like Beverly wasn't in a great spot to shoot it. The Mavs must have already planned to do the take foul thing to force the Wolves to shoot the two free throws. That was the game plan, right? So, which I would agree with, right? In most cases, I would do the same thing. I think the math works in your favor. 
Beverly misses the first free throw, which messes everything up. So he intentionally misses the second one, gets his own rebound, is fouled on a putback attempt. The putback attempt rims out. If he had made it, it could have been an and one that could have tied the game. Executed the intentional missed free throw perfectly, let it hit the rim before he crossed the free throw line, got his own rebound. It, it was amazing. Um, and then the the Mavs go to challenge the foul call. The only thing that makes sense here is if they thought that maybe Beverly was going to be called for an offensive foul, which he wasn't going to be because there was nothing egregious about what he did. He created some contact, could have argued he was being pushed as he was creating the contact, whatever. So the officials reversed the call. But but what does that mean? That means you get a jump ball at center court in a three-point game with roughly, what, what was it, like three and a half, four seconds left at that point. Why is that what the Mavericks wanted to do? The whole point of what they were doing was to commit a take foul to force the Wolves to shoot two free throws down three. So when they had that opportunity with Patrick Beverly, why did they then prefer to challenge the play, which they could have gotten wrong and lost the timeout in a game that was a one possession game. I think they had two at the time. So it wouldn't have been the end of the world. But if you win, now it's a jump ball at center court. And if the Wolves win the jump ball, which they did, then they could shoot a three to tie it, which they almost did as well, except for the touch foul and Luka Doncic that they granted to the Mavs. So they went and went ahead and made and committed the take foul anyway after the jump ball. So that there's a take foul, then there's another foul that they for some reason challenge, and then they commit another take foul to keep the Wolves from shooting a three. It made no sense at all. Um, and I said this after the game on Twitter, but it gives me confidence that if the Wolves somehow played the Mavs in a series, the late game um, execution, the late game strategy, timeout management, challenge management, Chris Finch is going to win those categories against Jason Kidd. Uh, Jason Kidd miraculously became a good coach this year. I, I don't know that I would have much confidence in him in late game situations in the playoffs, uh, I guess is all I'll say with that. It just, it made no sense at all. Anyway, oh, last thing, that touch foul on Luca. That's a situation where obviously the refs know the Mavs are trying to foul. They've probably went to the refs and said, hey, we're trying to foul. It's kind of like in the NFL when a team says, hey, we're going to call timeout after this play. And the second the play ends, the second anybody looks at the ref, they immediately are calling timeout. It's the same deal in basketball. You say, hey, we're going to foul here. So if you reach and you try, if it's close, they're going to give you the call. Right or wrong, that's probably not how it should be. It's not how it should be officiated. I'd like to think it would have been officiated the same way for the Wolves, but Luca barely touched Beverly before he got up that three-point shot. And uh, uh, of course, then Beverly made the shot that had the take fouled up and called. It would have been a tie game going to overtime. And at that point, it kind of felt like the Wolves had some momentum too. So who knows? Um, all right, let's finish the show by talking individual studs and duds. We're going to do that here next. First though, let's talk about our friends over at Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your chain, your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer. They have everything you could possibly need, from brake parts to tail lamps, 
motor oil to even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, let's talk individual studs and duds from this one. Um, number one for me, and this is weird. I mean, like the Wolves didn't really have, they had a lot of guys that played fine, right? The Mavs kind of did the same thing. I mean, obviously Dwight Powell went crazy, especially in the first half. Dinwiddie had a nice game, but a lot of really balanced scoring nights in this one. Nobody scored more than 22, which is both Towns and Dwight Powell each scored 22 in this game. The Wolves had four guys in, in double figures. The Mavs had six. Um, but in terms of studs and duds, Carl Three Towns has to get a stud for the Wolves. 22 points on 8 of 17 shooting, 2 of 6 on 3-point attempts, 4 of 4 at the line. 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, only 2 turnovers, and just 1 personal foul committed. He was a plus 11 in the plus-minus column in this game. Nobody else on the Wolves was better than a plus 6. Towns was the only starter with a positive plus-minus. The Wolves only had four players that had positive plus minuses. Um, their second best was Jordan McLaughlin with a plus six. So Towns had 22, eight, three assists, two steals and a block. And uh, was eight of 17 shooting again, uh, solid defensively. Some of the defensive issues and overall the Wolves actually defensively were pretty good. The Mavs only scored 110 points. They committed 11 turnovers, eight of them by Luka Doncic and only shot 30% for three. So not an awful defensive performance. And Towns was pretty good in this one in terms of holding his ground and the various coverages he was being asked to play. The Wolves are asking a lot more of him in terms of not only learning, but executing on the fly many different coverages, which is not something that they've done, you know, asked him to do much in past years. Um, so he gets a stud. Second for me is Anthony Edwards. Uh, was actually pretty good in this game. It's it's too bad it was just a short stretch when he did a lot of his damage. He had 19 points on just 13 shots, five of 13 shooting. It was nice to see him go three of five outside the arc, six of seven at the line, six rebounds, three assists, only one turnover in this game for Ant. Uh, if he hadn't blown those two layups, I mean, we're looking at a seven for 13 shooting night, you know, 20 plus points would feel a little bit different, but he shot the ball well from deep, from deep. Couple of the three point attempts were a little ill advised, but that comes with the territory. And overall, I thought his shot selection and decision making was pretty on point in this game. Some of the point of attack defense stuff wasn't great. I forgot to mention this earlier. I, I meant to talk about this in takeaways, but the Wolves down the stretch spent, uh, there was one possession like with two minutes left. Jalen Noel was guarding Luka Doncic, I think out of a timeout, which was unique. It worked out. The Mavs scored an offensive rebound on that possession, but Noel did a good job on Doncic in that moment. Anthony Edwards was on him, struggled a little bit, reached for a steal and uh, Edwards or uh, Doncic hit, I think it was Finney Smith in the corner for a three, which was, could have been a backbreaker. Really it was at the time, I guess. Um, and then uh, D'Lo down the stretch, the Wolves trying to almost get gimmicky in their pick and roll schemes and, and guarding the ball. And then, you know, planning these switches and these doubles and, you know, blitzing Luca late. Um, and, and I mean, it, it worked to an extent, right? They, they forced a, a turnover when he dribbled the ball off his foot into the backcourt, um, with D'Lo providing pressure. I mean, some of these kind of not exotic, I think gimmicky is probably the better word. The way that Chris Finch approached this down the stretch was interesting. I just generally, you don't want Anthony Edwards at this you know, 20 year old, this stage of his career, Anthony Edwards, or even D'Lo in most cases, guarding the ball in that situation. Um, unless you're trying some of this, this more exotic uh, switching and, and, you know, 
blitzing and trying a variety of different things. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting strategy, I guess. Third stud for me, uh, could go a couple different ways. This one, ultimately I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with D'Angelo Russell. Um, 18 points, five rebounds, four assists, six of 16 shooting, two of six outside the arc. He had a steal to go along with all that. Uh, defensively, again, not great, but you could say the same for Torian Prince in stretches. I, I don't know. I mean, you could go with Torian Prince. I I don't know. I, I guess I already regret it. I probably should have gone with Prince. Uh, similar, I mean, exact same shooting lines in terms of field goal shooting. Uh, Russell had five rebounds, four assists. Prince had four rebounds. He had a block. Um, nice game for Torian off the bench, a couple of questionable shots, but you could always say the same about D'Lo and, and Torian Prince was better defensively than D'Angelo Russell was in this game. So both those guys generally played well, uh, in terms of duds, not really anybody for the wolves. I mean, Jared Vanderbilt was oddly quiet besides his, I think all eight of his rebounds, if I'm not mistaken, came in the third quarter, which is really weird. He only played 15 minutes. He got three, picked up three fouls early in the first quarter. didn't come back until the final couple of minutes of the first half. And was very active when he was in the game, but the Mavs were daring the Wolves to to have to use him offensively in some way. He put the ball on the floor in the half court more than I think we've seen him do all season in just those 15 minutes. Um, and it wasn't too pretty. So again, credit Dallas with the game plan and uh, the Wolves didn't have a response for it at that moment. And ultimately Vanderbilt, even though he was initially the preferred option to guard Luka Doncic when, when possible, ended up only playing 15 minutes in this game. The Wolves relied a lot more on Torian Prince and Malik Beasley as the game wore on. Okay, um, that's really all I have for this one here today. Uh, again, disappointing outcome. It, it stinks that the Wolves are now you know down two games to one in the season series. Of course, they'll play Dallas again Friday, which is super important because obviously you'd rather tie the season series than lose the season series to a team that you're just two and a half back from for the five spot. The Wolves are now a half game behind Denver for number six in the West. Denver did not play on Monday. Um, so alone back in seventh place. Once again, are the Wolves. Uh, but of course, one game against Denver, one more against Dallas upcoming. It's a huge week for the Wolves. Uh, there's no question about it. And, uh, you know, can't dwell on this one too long. Again, good game. No shame in this loss. It just is tough given the standings. And now who's on deck, but the best team in the NBA, the Phoenix Suns on Wednesday, uh, back at Target Center though, for this one against the Suns Wednesday, I'm sure Target Center will be nuts uh, Wednesday night and then Friday night versus Dallas. So consecutive important games in the Western conference for the wolves before they go back out on the road. Uh, uh, I guess Sunday they have Saturday off. They go back out on the road next Sunday, the 27th. All right. That's all we have for you today here on the show. Thanks again for listening. And thank you for those of you that do make lockdown wolves, your first listen every day. It genuinely is appreciated. And if you do that, please help us out. Uh, follow, subscribe on YouTube, follow, uh, you know, whichever platform you like to listen on, leave us a review on, on Apple that it, I genuinely appreciate it. It definitely helps us out. And, um, uh, it, it, it doesn't go unnoticed. And I, I, Thank you for that. Um, you can listen to Lockdown Wolves on any of the audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey. You can also watch on YouTube. You can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon. That's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Thanks again for listening to Lockdown Wolves. Of course, the show is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. And while you're making Lockdown Wolves your first listen, don't forget to make your second listen Lockdown NBA. Lockdown experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.